0: How we thank God this morning
1: again for the blessed hymns. God has enriched to us as the people of God. I so enjoyed hearing those two stories shared during the children's lesson. Sometimes I think that we think that some people just know how to write songs, and so they write songs. But it's not so. These hymns that we sing, it costs people their very
2: lives
1: to draw those hymns out of the heart of God. We hold them in our hands. Treasures! Treasures! which we can express our hearts to God. I so appreciated the message this morning on forgiveness. It's a life-changing message. You're sitting here today and you're wrestling with something in your heart. I tell you, it's a life-changing message for you. You will just open your heart. My mind could not help but going, Brother Rick, to an airplane flight on last Monday. I often pray that God will give me an opportunity on an airplane. You know, because you never know who you're going to sit by and they can't get away two hours, three hours, whatever it is, there they sit and you're next to them. And so we keep our eyes and ears tuned to see if God placed somebody next to us. So I prayed that and I sat down in my seat on the airplane and there was an Indonesian lady sitting next to me, about 36 years old. Just, She just had a hard look on her face. You know, the Spirit coming out of her just said, Leave me alone. That's what I read when I sat down there. And it it was a little bit hard to test the door to see if it would open because she was just... She just looked hard and bitter. And she was. She was hard and she was bitter. But she wanted help. And... I asked her where she was going and she told me and she asked me where I was going and I told her. And then she wanted to know if I was an Amishman. Well, I wasn't too excited about that, but it did give me the opportunity to tell her, no, but I am a born-again Christian and I'm a pastor. And that opened up the whole door. And she began to share and she said she's been praying for days that somehow, some way, God would give her an answer to the problems of her life. She's been thinking about killing herself. She's been in despair. She hasn't known what to do. She didn't know which direction to go. And she's just been praying that God would somehow give her an answer. And she felt in her heart that maybe on this trip she would get an answer to her question, and there I sat next to her. Her problem? was has gone. She wouldn't forgive. She wouldn't forgive. She wouldn't forgive because she didn't feel like forgiving. And she knew that she needed to forgive, but she didn't feel like forgiving, and she was waiting till she felt like it. Only getting more bitter, more angry, more upset, more withdrawn, more inward all the time to the point where she lost a good job and got another one and couldn't hold that one down and had to get another one. Three times that happened. She didn't know her whole life was falling apart because she would not forgive somebody who hurt her. Blessed be God, before we got off of that plane, she released that person In her heart and her face looked totally different when she got off of that plane. Totally different. What a blessed opportunity at 35,000 feet. Amen. What a blessed opportunity. You have to let the bird out of the cage. Brothers, sisters, you have to let the bird out of the cage. You're holding him there. Because of something that they did. Let him out. Just let him fly away. You are the one that's in the cage. You are in the cage. You think you have them in the cage? You are in the cage. Let's bow just for a moment of prayer. Oh God, we... Thank you for your loving kindness to us, God. How rich in mercy you are every day, Father. We move along through this service. Father, we are keenly aware that there are people in this room that have needs in their hearts and their lives. Lord, we are keenly aware that there are people in this room today that have been praying all week. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Oh, Father, I pray, would you continue to give answers to the people of God today? Continue, Lord. You've been giving answers already. Give more answers, Lord. Set your people on a right direction and path. Set your people free. God, we ask you to do this in the name and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, this morning, I rejoice at the opportunity to be able to share. And it was in my heart to share a little bit of some of my travels, but I don't believe I'll do that because of time here. <clears throat> I want to get in into this message that God has laid on my heart. I want to speak to you this morning about something that you can do when you don't know what to do. I want to speak to you about something that you can do when you absolutely do not know what to do. When you get to that place, there is something that you can do yet. And it may be the very thing that you need to do. I want to speak to you about something that you can do when you, when you need a miracle. And I know that there are some of you in this room this morning, you need a miracle. You need one. God is a miracle-working God. I want to speak to you about something that you can do when you have got to have an answer. I mean, you've got to have one. You can't wait. You can't go on for six more months Just hoping that everything will work out. You need an answer to the situation that you are in. Maybe you're having problems in your marriage and you don't know what to do. There is something that you can do. Maybe you're having a problem in your home. Maybe you're wrestling with one of your children and you, really, that's exactly how you feel this morning. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn except to say, except to look up into God's face and say, God, I'm in your hands and I trust that you're doing that. But I imagine... That you didn't stop there. If you are in that situation this morning, I believe you've been crying out to God that He would give you some direction. Maybe He will give you some this morning. <clears throat> there is something that you can do, my friend. I want to speak this morning on the subject: the secret of fasting. The secret of fasting. And may I say, the secret of fasting with prayer. Prayer and fasting, the Bible says. I want to speak on the fasting side of it, but yet I will bring the prayer in there on and off throughout the message. And I want to tell you, it is my conviction that there is no problem that you have to face, that you cannot face and get an answer to if you will listen to what I'm going to tell you today. There is no situation that you can't get through if you will listen to what I'm going to tell you today. None. I've given the title to the message, The Secret of Fasting and Prayer, because it is a secret Not very many people know about. It is a secret. Why is it a secret? Well, there are many reasons. One, because the devil has hidden it from God's people. He's kept it over on the side. He's kept it in the background. He's kept it a bit silent. We will see why as we go down through and look at this subject, this very practical subject, we'll see why the devil has kept it way in the background and doesn't like it being talked about because it's
2: powerful.
1: There's another reason why I entitled the message, The Secret of Fasting. Because fasting is one of God's precepts, and like all of God's precepts, there is hidden down inside of that precept glorious things, but it's hidden. You cannot look at them on the surface and see them. They are only there for those who obey that precept. And if you walk down the road of obedience in this precept, you will find one of the most powerful disciplines, one of the most effectual tools that could be given to the child of God at your disposal. And you'll wonder, as I have many times in my own life, you'll say these words, why don't I do this more often? Why don't I do this more often? Because it works. Secret of fasting, again, I call it a secret because, thirdly, because our fleshly desires have kept it hidden from our eyesight. And fleshly people don't fast too often. People who enjoy eating, they don't fast too often. There are plenty of reasons not to. And just our own fleshly nature would keep it hidden from our sight. Down below the surface. Back on the back burner. Something that you do every now and then. When it should be something that you do all the time. Fasting is a Christian discipline. Our Lord Jesus said to us, when ye fast, not if ye fast. I'm afraid today that people believe that it's an option. It's something you can do if you want to, but you don't have to do. But Jesus said, when ye fast, not if ye fast. When. Jesus assumed that we would exercise ourselves unto godliness through the avenue of fasting and prayer. Jesus assumed that when He made that statement, when ye fast. Now, there are many Bible purposes for fasting. And I would like you just to, for a few moments, you just ponder where you are at today what you're facing, what your problem is, what situation you're in, and see if it's not covered in one of these that I'm going to list. In Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul, the apostle, and those that were at Antioch, they fasted and prayed for direction. You need any direction for your life? Some of you young people, I look into your faces. I know that you need direction for your lives. I know that it's something that you think about all the time. I know that you're pondering it continually. I know that it's something that you share one with another. You're always talking about your future. In Joel chapter 2, we see that God made a plea to the people of God to fast because they needed repentance. At times, we need repentance. At times, we get hard hearts, don't we? At times, we, our hearts get cool. At times, we find ourselves in such situations. We ought to follow the plea that God made through the prophet Joel and sanctify a fast. Do you know what it means to sanctify a fast? It means to set it apart for a specific purpose. In Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah fasted because he had a burden for the work of God. Just simply out of a burden for the people of God and for the walls of the city of Jerusalem and for the testimony of the Lord in Jerusalem. Nehemiah fasted. I believe he fasted many days. Many days. In the book of Ezra and in the book of Esther, both of those examples, they fasted for protection. Ezra was traveling over 500 miles. There were many bandits. There were many robbers. There were many who could uh, cause trouble. And they set aside several days and fasted and prayed before they headed out on their journey. And Ezra says, we were ashamed to go to the king after we had told the king about our great God. We were ashamed to go back to the king and say, would you send us some soldiers to protect us along the way? Because we had told Him about our God and who He was and how He is the God of heaven. So we didn't want to go to the King and ask for soldiers. So we went to the King and asked for protection. But we did it with fasting and prayer. In Psalm 69, we see that the psalmist humbled himself with fasting and prayer. And there are times in our life when that's exactly what we need to do. It's good to do that. And sometimes people say to me at revival meetings, well, Brother Denny, how do you humble yourself? You're, you're talking about being broken. You're talking about humility. Well, how do you make yourself humble? And That's a good question, but I tell you, this is one of the ways you can humble yourself with fasting. You take food out of your stomach for a couple of days, and it will change your very attitude on everything you see around you. It will do that. It will cause weakness to come into your body. And you will look at life in a different way. The psalmist David did in Psalm 69. In Psalm 34, in the midst of tragedy and sorrow, the psalmist fasted and sought the face of God because of a tragedy because of the sorrow of his heart, he fasted and sought the face of God. In Daniel, the book of Daniel, we see that Daniel fasted because he needed wisdom and understanding from God. There, Daniel wanted insight into some of the prophecies that Jeremiah had given. And he began to seek the face of God. And God gave him wisdom and understanding and direction so that he could be able to discern the time and the season that Israel was in. God gave him those answers as he sought God with fasting and prayer. And lastly, and may I say, this is not a inclusive list, conclusive list. There are others also But lastly, Jesus, our Lord, He fasted when He was facing great temptations in the wilderness. He knew. He was going into the wilderness. He knew there would be temptations there. And so, because it was a time of temptation for Him, He fasted and prayed unto His Father so that He could endure the temptations that came His way. We're made out of the same things that these people are made out of. And brothers and sisters, our lives are ordered in many of the same ways that these that I've listed here this morning are ordered. They're the same. God has the same answers for us. If we will just exercise ourselves in these things. I'd like us to turn to Matthew chapter 9 at this time. The Lord Jesus gave the clearest, purest purpose for fasting in Matthew chapter 9. We have listed many different purposes for fasting, but the clearest and purest purpose is defined in Matthew chapter 9. We'll start reading in verse 14. Then came to Him, came to Jesus, the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? They had a question. This was not the Pharisees. This was the disciples of John. They weren't asking a critical question. It was a good question they were asking. They didn't understand. They had seen the Pharisees and the Pharisees fasted. They had seen the disciples of John. They were the disciples of John. And John had taught them that fasting was right. And so the disciples of John fasted. And so they're pondering this Jesus. And they're watching Him as He relates to His disciples. And they're watching to see how they live. And they notice they don't fast. They're not fasting. I wonder why they're not fasting. You see, because up until that point, it was a religious discipline. The Pharisees did it. The disciples of John did it. How can this be? If this is who He says He is, why don't they fast? You want to ask Him a question. So they gave Him that question. And Jesus said unto them, He answered their question with a question, which He did that a lot in the Scriptures. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And I'd like us to notice that He didn't say fast there. He said mourn. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Of course, they all knew the answer to that. Of course not. Of course not. It's a time to be happy. It's a time to rejoice. The children of the bride chamber are rejoicing because the bridegroom is there. It's a wonderful thing. But, the days will come, and they did come. The days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. I'd like you to notice that he used the word fast at the end. He used the word mourn at the beginning of that verse. But those two words are synonymous in the context of this verse. Fasting and mourning. Fasting and sadness. Fasting and a low-key feeling inside your heart. Jesus brought the two together. They are synonymous words in the text here. Isn't it interesting that our Lord, like He always does, He takes care of all the other purposes and puts them all together in one. You see, all those other purposes that we mentioned for fasting, they, are all, fit, they all fit together in this one purpose that we see in chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. We're not talking about fasting as a religious discipline this morning. We are not. We're talking about fasting for a relationship. That's what Jesus was speaking about right here. Fasting for a relationship. The greatest, the clearest, the highest. Purpose for fasting is to draw nigh to God. That is the greatest purpose for fasting, is to draw nigh to God. Now consider with me what Jesus said to these men. While He was with them, all was great. It was just beautiful. They were the children of the bride chamber in this illustration. He was the bridegroom. They didn't know it yet. But He knew it. Oh, everything was wonderful. Any questions? They had the question. He had the answer. Just like that. Imagine what a blessing that must have been. How many times questions come to our minds. We wish we had the answers. They had a question. He had the answer. Just like that. You have a question? He has the answer. He has it. Oh, from time to time, problems arose. I mean, problems. We don't know what to do about this situation. Maybe it was a little boy who had a demon in him, and we tried to cast him out, and it didn't work. Lord, what should we do? And the Lord took care of it just like that. Boy, it was nice. It was nice to have the Lord with them. Everywhere they went, it was beautiful. They found themselves with 5,000 people. And they had five loaves and two fishes. And they didn't know how they were going to feed all these people. Oh, that was no problem. They just brought it to the Lord. The Lord took the five loaves and the two fishes, prayed a prayer over it, began breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And He fed 5,000 people plus the women and the children with five loaves and two fishes. And oh, they had that in their memory. Well, it doesn't take long to learn where to go when you have a few of those things, uh, experiences in your life. So they knew where to go. Wisdom? Oh, they needed wisdom. They had questions about divorce and celibacy and they didn't, they didn't understand. They just brought them to Jesus and Jesus turned right around and explained to them what He meant. Oh, that was nice, wasn't it? Just ask the Lord the question. And the Lord has the answer just like that. Whenever we need the wisdom. Hard cases, they just brought them to the Lord and the Lord took care of them. Revelations, oh, He took care of those. He opened their eyes and they were able to understand things that others around them did not understand. It was beautiful. Just beautiful. Wasn't it? Put your situation there. Whatever it is today. Is it your marriage? Is it your home? Is it a child? Is it your boy? Is it your business? Maybe it's your finances. Is it your health? Do you need direction and you don't know what to do? Is somebody after you? Just picture you in that situation, and you're Zacchaeus, and the Lord's coming down the road by your house today. What would you do? Well, we all know what we would do. We would be out there, we would be in that tree, we would be there. We would try to get close to Him so that we could bring whatever it is that's that's there so that we could bring it to Him because we know that surely if if we could bring it to Him, if, if He could just see our situation, He would have the answer. He would do something about it. Right now, He would do it. Well, that's the way it was with them. Oh, it was a beautiful three years if we could just imagine what it was like for those disciples. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was apprehended in the garden of Gethsemane and carried away. Then the judgment hall. Then the cross of humiliation. The shepherd was smited and all the sheep were scattered in every direction. Their whole world came tumbling down. Put yourself in their shoes a little bit this morning. It's all been right there. Everything they needed. Everything they wanted. Every question they had. Every miracle that was needed. It was all there at their fingertips. And all of a sudden, it's all gone. It's all gone. Three days of despair. Oh, they mourned. I'm sure they mourned. Those three days. Then came the resurrection. And a sigh of relief. Like a wave went over all of the disciples as they realized He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Forty days. All was well. Oh, He spoke to them many things. He gave them many answers. They had more questions now than they ever did before. And He had the answers. And many things began to fall into place in their minds. And then one day they were standing there on the mount. Uh, uh, there uh, on the Mount of Olives and they were d- discussing things with him and he spoke a few things to them and all of a sudden he he began to rise and he, he ascended up into the air and, and up there and all of a sudden into the cloud and beyond the cloud and he was gone. And ten more days. They didn't know what to do. Then on the day of Pentecost was fully come. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon those disciples, those 120 in the upper room. And He was there. He was there. And He gave commandment unto the church. And He gave direction to the church. And they had questions. And He had the answers. And there were problems that they didn't know what to do with. And they came to Him and a- a- and he met their needs. He was there. Though they couldn't see him anymore. They couldn't reach out and touch him. They, uh, Thomas couldn't put his hands into his side anymore, but yet he was there. And they knew he was there, but they couldn't see him, but they could see him. They could see him with the eyes of their heart, but they couldn't see them with the eyes that were in their head. They could sense that he was with them, but they couldn't reach out and touch him anymore. The bridegroom has left the bride and went to prepare a place for her. And Now they have a totally different way of working than they were ever used to before. Oh, the answers are still there. The miracles are still there. The help in the time of trouble, it's still there. But it doesn't work quite the same way. You can't just walk up to Him and say, Jesus... Here's the problem. Take care of it. And he just turns around and lays hands on somebody and everything changes. It's not that way anymore.
2: It's not that way.
1: They can still see Him, though, in spirit. Yes, they can. They can hear His voice, but it's in spirit that they hear His voice. They can still behold His beautiful life, but they see it only in spirit as they look upon the pages of this book and are illuminated by the Spirit of God, they can still behold His beautiful life. It's just as lovely as it ever was. But there's a little bit different way of seeing Him than they ever saw before. The provision is there. The direction is there. The wisdom is there. It's all there. But, ah, now they shall fast. Yes, they will. They will fast. Why? To draw nigh to Him. To draw nigh. That's what Jesus was speaking about here in in Matthew chapter 9. To draw nigh to Him. To draw close to Him. To see Him. To sense Him. To draw nigh to Him that He will draw nigh to them. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. That's what the Word says in James chapter 4. We are told that the early church fasted two days a week. Every week. Two days a week. Two days a week times 52 is 104. That's a third of their life. They fasted. A third of their life. Why? Did Jesus lay some rigorous discipline upon them and tell them these are the rules of the Christian life and you must do this two days a week? You have to do it. Did Jesus say that to them? No. No. They were not fasting because it was a religious discipline. They were not fasting because Jesus gave them a law that they had to keep. They were not fasting because of that. They were fasting because they desired a close relationship with the One whom they had walked with for three and a half years and beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father who was full of grace and truth. They fasted out of a desire for a relationship. They fasted out of a desire to see the Lord Jesus come in, 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 in reality, in power, in strength, and, and work out the situation, and solve the problems, and, and heal the sick, and raise the dead, just like He did before. That's why they fasted. Because the bridegroom is gone. Because the bridegroom is gone. Ah, oh, and now they did fast. Yes, they did. Wouldn't you, brothers and sisters? Wouldn't you, if you knew that you could see him and behold his beautiful life? Wouldn't you, if you knew that you could go and get him and bring him to the pulpit? Wouldn't you? if you knew that you could go and bring your hard question and He would have an answer, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If you knew that that demon inside of that child could be cast out
2: when Jesus came and cast it out wouldn't you
1: fasting brings god into the situation that's what fasting is all about many people are mixed up on this they think that it's somehow you know it's like a balanced thing and and god is sitting there in heaven and he's saying I'm almost ready to do what you want me to do, but I'd like you to fast one more day and then I'll do it. You have it totally mixed up. God is not sitting in heaven watching your works to see how many you do, and then He's going to do what you would like Him to do. Fasting is not a way to get a hold of God's arm and twist His arm and twist it a little more and a little more and then finally God gives in and does what you would like Him to do. That's not what fasting is all about. The clearest, the most perfect, the highest purpose of fasting is to draw nigh to God and bring God into the midst of our situation, whatever it is. It's to get the mind of God on a certain situation, whatever you're facing. I tell you, God's people, they've lost, they've lost sight of this. God has a mind for every situation that you are facing, my friend. God has a will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, in earth, even as it is in heaven. God has a will in heaven for your life. Today, for your situation, right now, God has an answer. You need God's answer. You need to know what God says. How God feels about it. You need to see the way God sees. You need God in your situation. That's what you need. That's what fasting is all about. Drawing nigh to the bridegroom. That the bridegroom can draw nigh to me. In my situation that I'm in. Whatever it may be. Listen. Listen, you'll know that it's true what I'm saying. Did not Paul say in Colossians that in Him that is in Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? They're in Him. They are in Him. He is wisdom. You need wisdom? God will give you the wisdom. You need to get the mind of God. But you need to know that you can get the mind of God. You need to learn how to get the mind of God. You need to learn to wait before God long enough that you hear the voice of God speaking in your soul concerning the direction for your life. You need to do that, my friend. You need to learn that. So many times, God's people, they stumble around. They don't know which, which direction to go. And, and God is longing for them to... Draw near to Him so that He can give them direction. He wants to put His hand upon your shoulder and guide you through. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous seas. Just Put your hand right on my hands. Lord Jesus, I'm not sure which way to go. And the wind is blowing out here. But if you'll just keep your hands on my hands, I'm sure we'll make this ship all the way into the harbor. That's what fasting is all about, friend. It's to draw nigh to God. Faith comes when we fast, doesn't it? Remember the disciples there, they tried to cast the demon out of that little boy and they couldn't do it. They were distraught. They did the right thing as soon as Jesus came down from the mount. Lord! Here it is. What do we do? The Lord took care of it. He also had some strong rebukes for them. But then later they came and they asked the question and He had an answer right there. I mean, just like that, He had an answer. And He said, after they asked, Lord, why couldn't we cast Him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief, you couldn't cast Him out. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. My friend, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. This kind goeth not away but by prayer and fasting. This answer doesn't come but by prayer and fasting. It brings God into the situation. An empty stomach and a seeking heart brings an alertness into your heart that you don't have when your belly is full. I don't know if you know that, but an empty stomach and a seeking heart will bring an alertness, an awareness, a sensitivity, a tuning in to the voice of God that you do not have when your stomach is always full. So, when you need answers, you can go and get them. An empty stomach and a seeking heart quiets all the other voices around you. And there are many. Oh, this needs to be done, and that needs to be done, and someone has this thought, and somebody else. And oh, listen, men are filled with opinions about what somebody else should do. And that's all right to seek counsel. And I believe in seeking godly counsel. But listen, my friend, don't you replace seeking God's counsel with seeking godly counsel. You need God's counsel. You need to hear what God is saying to your heart. An empty stomach and a seeking heart quiets the voices around you, and yea, it helps you to draw nigh to God. I recently read somewhere, and I don't know where I read it. Probably a book on fasting somewhere. The secret to the Korean church. You know the Korean church. You can go there at five o'clock in the morning, any morning, and the church house is full. I know that's a little hard for us to imagine, but can you just imagine dropping in here at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning and seeing this. Only nobody's sitting there all on their faces. That's the way it is in Korea. The secret of that Korean church. Well, there's probably many, but one of them is this. Hundreds. Hundreds of Koreans Fasted 40 days. Fasted and prayed 40 days. Hundreds and hundreds of Koreans fasted and prayed 40 days. I'm not promoting this morning that you fast and pray for 40 days. I'm just telling you that is one of the secrets of the Korean church. I mean, there's no playing games over there. The communists are just on the other side of the border. It's amazing how that changes your perspective about things. We call it fanaticism. They call it a way of life. It's a whole lot better than the communists rolling over the border with their tanks and their guns and killing all of our children. It's a way of life for them. It's not extreme. Brothers and sisters, the best way that I know for you to learn about fasting is to go on a three day fast with prayer. I don't know if you've ever done that. If you have, praise God. If you've done it once, you've done it twice in most cases. Because you will know in three days, you will know. Joshua, come. In three days, you will know hey, this works. This is beautiful. I'm so alert. My mind. I'm getting so much out of the Bible. I've got a broken heart. I can sense the presence of God. You do it once. You'll do it twice.
2: You have it all a sincere heart.
1: Brothers and sisters, do you know what it means To pray something through, to pray it through, to pray, to seek God until you have an answer. To seek God until direction comes. And please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about you stop eating and you don't eat again until God gives you an answer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeking God. And seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking until God gives you an answer. Because the Bible says, Ask and keep on asking and keep on asking. And you shall receive. Seek and keep on seeking and keep on seeking. And ye shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and keep on knocking. And the door shall be opened unto you. That's what the Bible says. There's a persistence in that. But listen, that persistence will never come If you do not know in your heart that you can persist until you get an answer, God wants to give you an answer. I never make a major move until I have an answer. A clear answer from God. I never make a major move. Never. Without a clear answer from God. So that I know that I know that I know that the move that I'm making is exactly in the will of God. Exactly in the will of God.
2: I never do it.
1: Why? Because I have learned that you can pray until you get an answer. Why settle for anything less? Amen? If you know that you can get an answer, why settle for anything less?
2: Pray it through, my friend. Pray it through.
1: Pray till you get an answer from God. Pray. Pray. In the old time way. The way they used to pray. And the power of God came down. Pray. I'm not talking about a little prayer I'm talking about getting a hold of the horns of the altar and hanging on before God. I'm talking about fervent prayer. I'm talking about a fasting prayer. I'm talking about a a fast that becomes a prayer. I'm talking about a heart that is broken. I'm talking about a heart that is just pleading whether the voice is saying anything or not. For this very thing that you see. This need that you have. This problem that you have. This answer that you need. This body that needs to be healed. Or whatever it may be. God has the answer. And He doesn't want you to live in darkness. And just wonder what's going to happen to me.
2: God has an answer. He has an answer. For your
1: situation. you got to pray it through. Once you prayed it through. Then you know. Then you know. You know what's going to happen. Once you prayed it through, it'll happen just like God said. You can count on it. Oh, how many times I've seen that happen. And it happened just like God said. Just like God said. It's as if God can take you up and sit you in His throne room and let you look down at the whole situation and say, now, son, this is what we're going to do. And And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And be ready for this. And be watching for this. And then set you back down on earth to live it all out. And it happens just the way that God said it would. But you need to pray it through. You need to get an answer from God. He has them. So many times, God's people just kind of stumble around and they hope everything's going to work out. You know? Hey, I don't just hope everything's going to work out. I don't just sit around and Maybe it'll go away. No, I need an answer. God has it. I need a miracle. God has it. I need direction. God has it. Pray through. Three days, no food. Three days, no food. You will not die. Most of you in this room, it won't hurt you a bit. There might be a select few who cannot fast because of low and high blood sugar counts and all those things. That may be so. But even with those, many times you can fast if you just take some juice. But there may be a few. But for the most part, it won't hurt you a bit. In fact, It's one of the healthiest things you could do on the physical side. But we're not talking about the physical. We're talking about the spiritual. And I think you ought to fast for spiritual reasons and just let the physical come on behind. You know, it's another one of those secrets tucked away in there that just falls upon you because you obeyed what God said. Just let the physical follow on behind. Moses fasted 40 days twice. Nehemiah fasted certain days. David fasted until his knees were weak. And he was a reproach when the people looked at him. He was skinny. David, the psalmist, you know. Daniel fasted 21 days. Esther fasted 3 days. No food, no water. Jesus fasted 40 days. Paul fasted 3 days. At the day of his conversion, he fasted in Arabia. We don't know how long. It doesn't say, but he was seeking and learning from God. He fasted 14 days as he was shipwrecked out on the ocean. There was food to eat. He fasted seven days another time. Paul said, I'm in fastings often. He fasted and fasted and fasted and fasted. It was a normal way of life for the early church. I tell you, I'm not a knock. I'm telling you the truth. It was a normal way of life. They did it all the time. So did the early Methodists, by the way. They took the example from the early church. fire of God was burning in their hearts. They did not want to lose the fire of God. So they took the example of the early church and with the purest motive for fasting, to draw an eye to God, the early Methodists fasted two days a week. Every week. A third of their life? Fasting is voluntary in the New Testament as to when. Mandatory concerning whether we should. You look it up in the Bible. It's very clear. Why don't we fast here in America? That's a good question. Why don't we fast? because surely we need to surely we do some they don't fast out of ignorance they just don't know they're afraid it will hurt them you know they get that queasy feeling when they fast and i've heard them i've heard them say i had to eat i thought i was going to die if i didn't eat by the end of the day No, they wouldn't have died. They wouldn't have died. But that's a little bit how our ignorance is. We go through one day of fasting and, you know, maybe we're a little bit dizzy, you know, you stand up a little fast, quickly while you're fasting and you get this lightheadedness and you think, oh my, this must be bad, I'm not gonna do that anymore. No, that's, no, you're looking at it wrong. So I think that many people do not fast simply out of ignorance. They are afraid it will hurt them. In most cases, it will not hurt you. It will not. It's good for you. With some, we just like our food. We like our food here in America. It's been interesting to me to see how much more the young people fast when they're in Africa than they do when they're back home. The cooking is not the same over there. You just feel like fasting more often. Isn't that right? Some of you that have been there. That hot food, you know, that burns all the way down. They just feel like fasting more and they do fast more. I tell you, one of the reasons why we do not fast in America is because we like our food. It just tastes pretty good. Mm. It tastes pretty good. Someone recently, I was talking to them about fasting and oh, they were so excited and they just, you know, young Christian and he just said, Man, that's great! I'm going to do it! I'm going to do it! And he left our conversation and he went home and he decided and he was a little overzealous you know he decided I'm going to fast 10 days well he never fasted before and 2 days went by and that was all he could handle 2 days the smell of the food going through the kitchen you know it was about all he could handle but those should be signs to us to tell us how much of a grip this flesh has on us We can't make it to the end of a day or two. And we just find ourselves dreaming and thinking about food. And that's all. We can just can't wait until this fast gets over so we can eat. Watch it. Watch it. There's some strength there that your flesh is rising up and telling you what to do. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Another reason why we don't fast here in America, and I believe this, we don't need Jesus. We don't need Jesus. Remember Matthew chapter 9 there? Remember? And the bridegroom shall be taken away, then shall they fast. We, we don't need Jesus. And therefore, we don't fast. Because we don't need Him. It's very interesting to study the persecuted church in Russia, Romania, Uganda, Liberia, and China. In all of those countries.
2: Oh, they fast.
1: They fast. They need Jesus. And that is why they're fasting, you can be sure. They are not going through religious exercises or ceremonies in China. They are not. No, they are way beyond all of that. It's not religion over there. It's relationship. They need Jesus. They need Him desperately. They need Him every day. They need Him every moment of every day. They need His direction. They can't afford one wrong move. They can't afford to open their mouth at the wrong time. One time or they end up in jail. They need Jesus. They need Him to be right there with Him. They need to have Him have His hands right on their hands as they are piloting their way o'er life's tempestuous sea. They need Jesus and therefore they do fast over there. They fast. Because they need Him. Desperately. We don't need Him. I know those are strong words. But oh, how they fast and oh, revival breaks out. Revival breaks out in their midst all the time. Because they do. I was reading an account recently of two young men. Chinese boys. Boys. Twenty-two years old. They were twenty-two and twenty-three years old. They were caught preaching. And they were thrown in jail. And they were interrogated. And the police tried to get them to give all the information about all the other Christians in the area, and they wouldn't do it. No way. They're gonna say a word. And the police, very foolishly, they thought in their natural mind, huh. we'll stick these guys in a prison for two weeks, and we won't give them anything to eat. Then they'll talk." Boy, they didn't know what they were doing. They stuck those two fellows in a prison for two weeks. Solitary confinement, just the two fellas and Jesus, Hallelujah, for two weeks, no food, just water. They got him out after two weeks, thinking, okay, these young men, they'll be, they'll be ready to talk now. Yeah, we'll see what kind of a tune they sing after they haven't eaten for two weeks. They had no idea what they were doing. They should have sent them on an all-expense-paid vacation to the USA if they wanted them to compromise. But instead, they stuck them in a prison with no food. And those two fellows came out of there on fire for God. I mean, they weren't about to answer any questions. They had divine wisdom. They had an unction on them. They had a strength inside of them that those interrogators couldn't do anything to get one word out of them Though they beat their body to a pulp, they couldn't get a word out of them. They sure didn't know how they were how to do that, did they? They looked at it through the natural mind. They say that Christians, because they fast, it doesn't bother them when they get thrown in prison. There are situations where Christians and non-Christians both get thrown into prison, like in the days of Nazi Germany and also in the days of Stalin's purge and all those different uh, historical events. Christians and non-Christians alike got thrown into prison. The people who were not Christians and were not aware of the beautiful discipline of fasting They died of starvation and fear that they would die of starvation while the Christians just sat there day after day after day living on the juice from rotten tomato soup for days and days and days. And it didn't shake them one bit because they understood that fasting is good, not bad, and you will not die you will not die. Now, I am not here this morning trying to get everybody to do something extreme. Go on along fast. Fast yourself till you're skin and bones. I am not up here trying to do that today. You have a situation. You need God in the middle of that situation. I'm not saying for you to do that. But you can at least follow the pattern of the early church and fast two days a week and oh, every one of those days just keep bringing those things before God until you get an answer to your situation. God has the answer, my friend. He does. Very interesting to me, you know, it's a few months back that Brother Emmanuel called a Two days of fasting and prayer for the missions, for charity Christian missions. He was burdened. We needed people on the field. No one was there. didn't seem like the doors were opening. So he called two days of fasting and prayer and many gathered for those two days. And many stayed at home and fasted and prayed for those two days, just bringing that one request before God. It is no coincidence how God has sovereignly put His stamp upon several families since that day and provided what is needed in Africa and what is needed in Haiti. That's not a coincidence. That's God. That's God. I think you ought to at least fast once a week myself. I think that ought to just be normal life. That you fast once a week. But I'm not making it a law to you. Start small. Don't start big. Don't do anything foolish. Start on juice. Some of you men, maybe you have to work. You can work and drink juice. You'll have the strength you need unless you have a very heavy laborious job. You can do it, you can even do it with a laborious job, drinking juice, but start small and work into more. Sometimes people feel weak and sick when they fast for a couple of days. I want to explain to you what that is, why you feel that way. It's because your body is trying to get rid of the toxins or the poisons that are inside of it. That's why you feel weak. You don't feel weak because you're sick. You don't feel weak because you're going to die. You only feel weak because your body is trying to get rid of the poisons that are in it. And when you stop eating, the body immediately goes into a cleansing mode to get rid of the poisons and the toxins that are in it. That's why you feel weak. If you'll just ride it out a couple of days, you won't feel weak. You'll actually feel stronger. You'll feel stronger if you'll ride it out for a couple of days. I often recommend to somebody who's going to fast more than three or four days that you somehow you clean your bowels out before you fast. Like take an enema or maybe some kind of a salt water flush. Some way to flush your system out of all the waste that is inside of it. You see, when you stop eating, that stops the body's system from eliminating its waste. And and then the body starts to try to get rid of it through the pores of your skin. And that's why you feel weak. If you will flush your system out, you will not feel that weakness, most of you. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who tried to fast and couldn't because they felt weak. And two and three years have gone by and they never tried it again because they felt weak. That's all it is. That's all it is. Believe me, in most situations in this room, that's all it is. Flush your system. Then you can fast. You'll be strong, not weak. Solitude. Solitude. If you can be in solitude while you're fasting, I know some of that's difficult. You may have to make some adjustments. I make adjustments. But have some solitude, a good season of solitude each day that you're going to fast. Now I believe if you can't have the solitude, fast anyway. Do it anyway. Don't wait for the perfect and say because I can't have the perfect, I'm not going to do anything. No, you seek the face of God anyway. And during those times when you would have sat at your table and eaten your meal, go and be alone with God, you will be blessed anyway. God will see your heart's desire to draw near to Him. And God will draw near to you. And He will speak into your situation, whatever it is, if you will do that. Solitude. Plan your days. If you're going to spend a day in fasting and you can go and be alone somewhere, plan your day. Don't just sit there the whole day. Plan it. That's what I do. An hour of this. An hour, I'm going to listen to a sermon for an hour. I'm going to read my Bible for an hour. I'm going to go for a walk and pray for an hour. Then I'm going to sing in a hymn book for an hour. Then I'm going to rest for an hour. Then I'm going to get up and read a devotional book that stirs my heart. Then I'm going to listen to a sermon for an hour. And I just do that through the whole day. I tell you, that'll change your life. You do that for two or three days. It'll change your life. Some of you men, you can't imagine what God would do in your heart if you would do that with the situation that you're facing right now. As men, as fathers, you need answers. You need direction. God has them. God has them. Sometimes I think that we think that God is just going to drop down out of nowhere and say... This is the way. Do it. No. You have to draw
2: nigh to God.
1: and He will draw nigh to you. He will. I never make a major change without doing this. I never do. I never face a difficult situation without fasting and prayer. I never do. I never seek important direction for my life or my family's life without fasting in prayer. I never do. Because you can't just come up with ideas and do things. It's got to be the will of God. It's got to be the will of God. In closing, there's something that you can do When you don't know what to do. There's something you can do when you need a miracle. You do not have to just sit in despair and wonder how it's all going to work out. You do not have to do that.
2: There's something that you can do when you need an answer. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. And pray it through till you get an answer.
1: You will be blessed. And your life will be marked with divine direction and right moves that you made. And another one. And another one. And another one. All down through the path of your life. Your life will be marked with right decisions because you've got the mind of God
2: before you did it. Let's kneel together in prayer.
1: Oh, Father, our mind goes to so many places in the Scriptures where our ancient brothers and sisters practiced this very discipline even in the very way that Jesus spoke about. Our mind runs to those many examples. Oh Father, I pray would You make us like our ancient brothers and sisters. We want to be like the early church, Lord. I know that's our desire. Those are our goals. We try to pattern our lives after the early church. Lord, we try to pattern our lives after Your Word. God, we see it clearly in Your Word. We do not even need to read the history books, Father. We can see it in the book of Acts. We can see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. We can see it in the life of our Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we do have questions. Lord, You have answers. We have problems that we don't know what to do. Oh, God, You have the answers. I know You do. Would You... Some way, God, would you take these words and spark some faith in the hearts of your people this morning to rise up and seek your face for the answer to their problems. God, I commit this sermon into your hands and Lord, all the rest of them also, God. I think of those in this room who have not forgiven, they have not released, God. Oh, Father, they have not released. They are holding them guilty.
2: Oh, God, I pray. Set them free. Set them free, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you, Brother Denny, for sharing the Word of God with us this morning. I was challenged. I would have to say, "I need God in my situation. I know that. I know there's areas in my life where I need to pray it through. Seeking God for direction, for wisdom, and I thank God for the challenge to my own heart this morning to receive it as from the Lord, and by God's grace, I want to do that. I'd like to open it up. Maybe you have something you need to share. You have a need in your life, you need God in your situation. Just raise your hand so we can get a mic to you over here.
3: Yeah, I got one. I tell you, I've never fasted in my life. I thought it was for everybody else except for me. But I see, I didn't understand it. And I guess I have sinned. And I want to ask for forgiveness. I thought it was for whoever wanted to. Not I didn't know it was the law. So I asked for forgiveness and I'll try to do mine with God's grace.
2: Thank you. All right, over here. Maybe you can turn around so that people can see you. Question about fasting. If you're a nursing mom and Denny said that the toxins come out, does the toxins come out in your milk for your baby? So if you're a nursing mom, you can't fast? Yes, that's that's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have someone way in the back.
3: It seems like so many of us sisters are in the same place, the same season of life where we're either nursing or pregnant. And I would just like to encourage those sisters that God will honor our efforts if we just fast for a meal or two meals in a day. And then when the idea of solitude is totally out of the question and you've got laundry to fold and food to prepare and a squabble here and a school child with a question there and a hunger pain comes, then you remember, yes, God, I am seeking Your will as someone's pulling on Your skirt and the pot's boiling over. He will honor our desires, and there may be a time in our life when solitude or two- or three-day fasts may be possible, but He's got us where we, ha- we are now, and we can seek His will anyway.
0: Amen. I'd just like to share concerning the bondage that comes from lack of forgiveness. I had a brother, a missionary, share with me one time that in the language he was working with, he found a very, uh, a very interesting concept with the people there. The concept they have for forgiveness when they ask for forgiveness was to throw it out. He said you would come to a person, they used a word that said, "Will you throw it out?" And uh, he explained the concept like this. He says when. When I have done you wrong, I came into your front room and I left my garbage in your front room. And as long as you leave it there, it'll stink and it'll, it'll be an offense to you and it will be an uh, unpleasant thing in your life. But when I come and apologize, I ask you very kindly to throw that out of your front room so you can forget it. Amen. And you can, uh, we can be friends again.
3: I really appreciate the message this morning. Um, I asked my brother Nolan to get me a tape or two on fasting after the the time we had at the prayer advance this winter. Uh, I'd like to start back a little further than that. My spiritual journey has been sort of rocky, Um, although on the outside, it appeared good to men. I knew with God it was very shaky. And I came up here to leadership seminar uh, a year ago this winter, and I was really blessed I was driven here by the Spirit. Uh, I realized my sinfulness and my wretchedness before God, and my wife said, go. And I came and was really blessed, and I just wanted to thank the brothers that shared in that and really appreciated that, and I uh, spent the time here in prayer and fasting. And it, it just... I can say amen to Denny. I mean, it just... I had spiritual understanding and insight that I didn't know was even available. And it, it just... uh Really helped me in times of fasting since then, too. It hasn't been very regular, and I'm glad for the challenge this morning of a day or two a week. I really want to try to do that in my life.
2: All right. Well, we thank you for your testimonies and added words. I would like to say, also in response to the first message, I wonder how many problems in life could be related right back to the unforgiveness and may the Lord help us that if we are in that cage, if we would open the cage and experience that healing that God has for us. All right, we'll go ahead with the song while we lift the offering. Thank you for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. If you would like additional messages or a catalog, please visit our website at ccfsermons.org. Call us at 855-55-CHARITY or write to us at Charity Christian Fellowship, 59 South Groffdale Road, Leola, PA, 17540. This ministry is supported by your donations. May Jesus Christ be Lord of all.